0: Welcome to Voices on Art, the Van Horn Gallery podcast hosted by Daniela Steinfeld. Season 2, Episode 23. This is a special episode in collaboration with Kunstpalast Düsseldorf. A conversation with Monica Bonvicini, released on the occasion of her participation in the exhibition Empört Euch, Time for Outrage, co-curated by Linda Peitz and Florian Peters Messer. Monica Bonvicini studied art in Berlin and Cal Arts, Valencia, California. Since 2003, she holds a position as Professor for Performative Arts and Sculpture at the Academy of Fine Arts in Vienna. Since 2017, she is Professor for Sculpture at the UDK in Berlin. She lives and works in Berlin. Monica Bonvicini has earned several awards, including the Golden Lion at the Biennale di Venezia in 1999, the Preis der Nationalgalerie für junge Kunst, Berlin 2005, the Oscar Kokoschka Prize, Austria 2020, and more. Her work has been featured in many prominent Biennales and group and solo exhibitions all over the world. The talk was recorded August 3, 2020. Hi, Monica. Very nice to have you. Hi, Daniela. Today we're talking together because you're participating in the exhibition Empört euch, Time for Outrage at Kunstpalast Düsseldorf. And I saw that last year you did a solo show at Belvedere 21 in Vienna with the title, I cannot hide my anger. So anger is something we should be talking about today. And my first question is how much of your personal anger flows into your art? Or is your use of this emotion more controlled and conceptual? I knew
1: that this question would come. <laughs> I would say that it's more conceptual though those days I have sometimes difficulties in separating the private of from the work. Mm-hmm. Something quite new to me because I always thought that the two fields were absolutely to keep separated. For now, I don't know. Well me as a person, I I do get upset, I would say quite easily. I do not show it very much. I keep everything quite within my myself, let's say. I mean I need to, to translate this this anger or to distillate this anger when it's personal in order to to make something out of it. I tend not to scream at people or scream at things, but I know the feeling very well of getting upset, of rage and anger, which to me is something that is very connected to a situation that it is injustice or that the person feels as being unjust. I also think that as a female artist in the art world, there have been, there still are a lot of situations where you it's its normal, let's say, to get upset and to get angry about. Something happened, it, it was very work-related that made me personally very angry. And it was uh, related to a project that I should have done in Venice. Actually, it was an opera piece that I was going to do uh, at the Finisce Theatre in Venice. And it was something that I, you know, I worked on this project for quite some time, for months and months, and then um, it got cancelled uh, for reasons that are still not very clear to me, besides the fact that I think my version of this opera, which was La Turandot, was a little bit too much feminist and too much up-to-date for the director mm-hmm. of uh, La Fenice. Do you think that, as a female artist, you're experiencing things like this more? I don't know, because I'm also very, you know, growing up as an artist in the 90s, I think I have a really thick, how do you call it in English, uh, thick skin. I'm used to a lot of (laughs) strange things I, I, I can deal with, I think. I mean, I learned how to deal with. But this specific situation really upset me, because it was... It was very um, unrespectful to have somebody, to invite somebody to mm-hmm. this person working so much and then to cancel everything. For reasons that I thought were very, very related to maybe an Italian way of uh, of dealing with genders, Yeah. You know?
0: And you said you as a private person, there are more reasons now to be angry and also that you usually don't let your anger out and you must find a way then to channelize this into your work. How is that working out? How, how does that function?
1: Well, last year, like I said, I was really, I got really upset. And then I started reading a lot about, I mean, I think, of course, anger is one huge theme in uh, the feminism theory and, you know, in, in the feminist movement since ever. The last years, maybe it has become a little bit more, I use the word fashionable, but I don't mean it. I'm not judgmental in that sense. A lot of books came out again about about the issues. I read in uh, I think in ninety one, you know, the the book uh, Angry Women, in which a lot of women are totally loved and respected at the time, like Valya Export and uh, Amanda Gallas, for example, were uh, represented in in the book, and I. Always thought that I that's where I belong to this kind of woman who had to work very hard and to be to create a space and create a a sort of creativity that didn't exist before, didn't exist because there was no network around. Do you think
0: this is better now? Do you think there's more solidarity where this anger comes together to to form a force?
1: well yes of course so there is uh, i don't know if i if i can say that there is more solidarity now than um, back in the 90s i i per- actually personally wouldn't say so mm-hmm. I think there was a lot of support also in the 90s and um, of course somebody like valley export and also the galas they worked even you know from before from the 70s and 80s so i did experience quite uh, lot of support in the 90s but still it was it was something that was very within a certain circle of colleagues friends and they were mostly women right Well, the situation changed once i would say dramatically and it's much much better on the other side sometimes i think it's still the same you know and i think that both realities exist exactly like that
0: yes a lot of things are existing parallel yeah do you think an exhibition about anger, a political exhibition in a museum, do you think this is a sign of the times or it's really a sign that things are also changing systematically?
1: I think it's both probably, Daniela. I think, I mean, I think what has been done in the nineties has, you can see the results now, right? It always takes a lot of time. And I've been, uh, for example, I cannot hide my anger It's uh, a quotation by um, Andre Lord, and she wrote it, I think, in the 80s. I mean, that's also a long <laughs> yeah. but, uh, quotation, but the feelings that uh, she had at that time, which was her personal feeling, it's something that you can totally translate to our day. And I was also interested in bringing these quotations and also these kind of feeling of urgency into the museum, like you said, at the Belvedere 21, where the show, but also in the gallery, for example, at Peter Kishman, where I had a show last year in June, where I was, in fact, uh, working with some pieces that I was supposed to show or to have, let's say, on the stage of the opera, Mm -hmm. and uh, also some drawings that were really, I think, powerfully dealing with the notion of female anger,
0: yeah. I remember very, very well the first piece I saw by you, Wall Fuckin, which left a deep impression with me because it seemed to turn all gender cliches upside down. Was that these, this kind of female anger at the beginning of your work present also? Were you aware of that?
1: I don't think the Wall fucking had anything to do really I mean, the work itself has nothing to do with anger. It has more to do, yeah, with <laughs> the way of uh, describing pleasure differently, with the way of literally don't give a fuck about certain, certain situation rules in architecture, but also in the art world. And I don't think if you see it now that there is anything that, or at least to me, it wouldn't remind me to anything that has something to do with rage or, or and being angry. Maybe, you know, a lot of what I did, especially in the 90s, had something to do with the fact that I grew up in Italy, and in the 80s, I remember Italy being quite conservative in terms of, you know, the social texture was quite uh, conservative. So in Italy, there was a huge feminist movement in the 70s, but it was a very chauvinistic, uh, you know, society, the one I, I grew up. Politically, culturally, you know, the streets didn't belong to women, for sure back when I, when I grew up and uh, and the fact that i studied also in cal arts at the beginning you know 91 92, i think it formed me or oh, it made me see certain things in a more rational and conceptual way you know kind of feelings or idea that i had about about gender and architecture that really crystallized through yeah through my study cal arts and through some following readings I did because, like we know now, in the the 90s, you know, gender really became the theory of the the decades, if you you like. So that was great for me because it was exactly what I was looking for.
0: So that was kind of like also the strong spirit of feminism
1: there? Yes, I think totally grew up in understanding that things were not right, you know, when when it came to to gender, to, and there was no equality, I know, in the, as a child, it was very clear to me, you know, in the elementary school, the boys had, they could have like a sport class and the girls uh, had to stay in class and learn how to do some housework. And I mean, that was in elementary school. And of course I totally hated it. And I thought, why, you know, why can I not change this? I don't want to do this
0: so you took obviously from the very beginning you you took a lot, a lot of strength from that situation being on one hand a vulnerable person but also being a strong woman that's always for me the image i have of you
1: yeah i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i grew up also with a lot of strong women you know mm-hmm. so but still i think one of the issues i'm still dealing with with my art is really you know, which might sound a little bit passé, I don't know, but I'm still questioning about, you know, what kind of space am I creating as a female artist within the art world, you know, what kind of... For example, also the show in Vienna, it was, I decided to make the center of the exhibition space uh, not visible and not, you know, I closed it down. So that only, let's say, the periphery of the museum was visible, and and through the reflection of the outside into the installation that was made out only of aluminum panels, I mean, the 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 outside became even larger, you know, let's say through the reflection. In a double way, it was um, negating the exhibition space that was inside already enclosed, and then negated through the reflection of the outside. And of course, I wonder, you know, all the time, what, what is it what is it for, for a space that I'm building up? Why is it still important for me to create works that are defining the exhibition space and the museum differently, in a different way than I know, I've seen before. And I think mass has something to do with my own personal experience as a female artist, I guess, yeah. Do you always have to start to
0: pose these questions new, or can you also rely on some experience?
1: Well, of course, I do rely on experiences, but you know <laughs> the process of making art is sometimes quite painful, at least for me. you know things do not come easy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I really try to find really the point that it 's totally necessary for me, and that 's maybe one of the reasons why i 'm always late. <laughs> This question about what kind of space I'm creating with my art, strangely enough, or maybe not, but it started I started to rethink about it last year because I um, I had these institutional shows like in Vienna and closed the, the the center of the exhibition space and in the other show in Turin I I built half of a house. So I, I was really working in a very installative way, which is something I absolutely love to do. It's a lot of fun the question yeah to create space maybe i ask the question myself all the time because every time is the same but it's not
0: despite the conceptual part of your work is that do you think it also comes because you think as a woman you have to create your own space
1: yeah absolutely i think you have to of course um you can i mean i don't want to repeat things that other women didn't do Mm I have the impression that I need to create a new language, you know, that is a new visual language, but also a new language. It's something I do a lot in drawings, where I'm using a lot of quotations, and all the quotations, I i would say 99%, 95% of the quotations I'm using are edited by myself, so I'm creating this kind of strange archive of poetry language that is also very much about space, uh, somehow. I do not think, you know, Daniela. I remember in the '90s, lots of people were asking me if I, uh, if I thought that that a female architecture or that or if a female architects would work differently. And I remember always answering, "Actually, I'm not interested in the question if if an architecture that is uh, feminine exists or not, or if female architects are building differently. I do not think that there is actually any difference, really." differences in the process and in the fact that you know that yeah there are still less female architects around the world although there are much much more architectural students female students and we know all this kind of cliche that are and and effects not cliche
0: do you believe in a kind of female art definitely there's a feminist art but female art i wonder
1: no i don't i don't believe in that and i Mm -hmm. I'm not even interested in thinking about it. but of course, there is the language that describes art made by men and by women. There is a tradition on it, and uh, there is a way from artists to, to deal with this kind of language, which is mostly, yeah, like a art critique or art history. I mean, that's that's the language, right, talking about in that language, describing Codex and rules and and the statical values also, that I think are not right. So it's important to destabilize that kind of language as well, that kind of tradition, you know, in the way people are describing or imagining, you know, what a male or what a female art is.
0: Those cliches, is that also a source of anger? Something that can be channelized in a hardcore work then?
1: Yeah, I don't know, sometimes I have to smile, you know, if I hear people say, oh, this, uh, this work is yours, I thought it was a uh, young guy, you know. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it's funny, and I am actually happy if this person got it wrong somehow.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. A chainsaw probably <laughs> is associated with some kind of macho violence or something, and you use it very deliberately in your work. Uh, can you say a little bit more about that what it means to you personally using chainsaw and leather belts and all of that
1: uh, chainsaws and leather belts are for example they are typical to make it very simple but they are like typical tools or yeah, pieces of equipment that are like you said very connected to a certain kind of masculinity
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, in particular the belt uh, is it's, you know, it's a piece of clothes that has been developed uh, for the military, and the associations to a black leather belt, you know, like violence or, yeah, masculinity and so on uh, are very much there, let's say. So, and so the ch- with the chain, so as well, or any kind of power tools. I mean, until a few years ago, in every, you know, Bauhaus in, in Germany, you would have had some half naked woman holding i don't know what a little drill to make publicity about it so it's a world that is very much uh relying on, on this kind of i mean the tools work the construction works again on this division of, of sex and uh, of behaviors and you know who is who who's is staying home who's doing who's going out who's building and with cooking and so
0: it's like sex and, and violence is this kind of associated together in in these in these kind of loaded materials
1: well yeah for example with the belt, people associate beds with violence you know thinking about you know father uh, hitting sons and daughters with the beds so That's something for example that i uh, i didn't really consciously think about it when I was uh, working for us with belts, because it's, it's a kind of a violence that is so, I don't know personally, that it's so direct within the realm of family. I don't know, I wasn't really so much interested in that. I was more thinking about uh, what the power of military is, or what does it mean to be a man in the military now, but also like 300 years ago.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And does it doesn't mean if you don't have, you know, if these guys don't have a belts on in the pants. Was down. I mean, what kind, of, what kind of power do you have then, you know? When you make a work, is that more like
0: a kind of intuitive process also? What kind of materials you will use? Or is this something you lay out very straight in front of you? Also in the opposite of making an object or installation and in drawing, because to me it seems your drawings are probably more personal, if I can say so. I, I'm not even sure if that's right.
1: I don't know how oh, the, the choice of, I always say the choice of material is kind of following the idea, right? But mm-hmm. I don't know if it's true or not anymore those days. Because sometimes I have like a curiosity of just using some materials because they mean something or because I see something in them that is representing something that I want to show or that I want to work on. Sometimes it's just a curiosity and I want to see what can I do with that kind of material. You know, how can I bend it? How can I do something different out of it? And I, I do like to work with different companies. I mean, I like to learn also about and what you can do with that. There are some materials I haven't used yet, like ceramic or something like that. It doesn't mean that I will not one day. But since I started really in the 90s with installations, it was, and also with the idea of, uh, with the intention of do some sort of critique on, on architecture, it was very easy for me and also very, I mean, it was logic somehow to, to go for, yeah, for construction materials. Mm-hmm. I must also say that I didn't learn to do a lot because I was uh, always in a painting class actually in Berlin. And oh, <laughs> Yeah, so (laughs) I started doing uh, uh, installations, which is something I started doing in color arts. And then when I came back to Berlin, it was just kind of easier for me also to find sponsoring for materials and stuff like that. And
0: then you discovered what you could do in your work and then it just went from there because I I never heard that you were in a painting class. That's really interesting.
1: Oh, yes, yeah. so, I uh, was. So I finished, actually, I was in a painting class six or uh, six years or five years in Berlin. And um, in between, uh, Isa Gensken came for, she She came for a guest professorship. And I, I mean, I saw her more than I saw my painting uh, teacher, but I wasn't doing sculpture at that time. I just, uh, one day, quit painting. I mean, in CalArts, I did, like, two very large installations as a student. And then you really have to know exactly... I mean, yes, what kind of material, how much meter you need, how do you build it, and, and stuff like that. And of course, at that time, I was not interested in working with bronze or like doing anything with my hands because I've been quite uh, influenced by conceptual art. Mm-hmm. It was very much about ideas and about the immaterial kind of artwork. And
0: what I also wanted to know is that you will also show, coming back to the drawings in the a Time for Outrage exhibition, you will show a wall with large drawings. What role play these
1: drawings in your work? Well, I started making these uh, similar drawings, black and white drawings, I think, I don't know if it was 2006 or seven. Uh, the drawings are something that I can do, right? Because I cannot build a huge installation for that. I need, you know, I need architects to make plans. I need people to build up things. But the drawings is something that I can do myself, let's say. In that way, maybe going back to what you said before, they're more personal. So I'm not sure I would use that term. But anyhow, I started making these drawings when I went to uh, New Orleans in preparation of the first New Orleans panel there. And it was during, oh, just after the Katarina hurricane and I started, uh, you know, reading. and I mean, I was there taking pictures of all the destruction of the houses and so on. And the first biennial opened in, at the same time, of, together with the big economical crisis of 2008, mm-hmm. where, especially in America, the real estate value, you know, went fully, really you know, down the drain. I started the drawing these uh, broken houses I took a picture from, and then I started collecting, which is something natural that I was collecting even before, images of photographies from newspapers, having destroyed houses of uh, mostly one family from the US, houses destroyed by hurricane or some other sort of natural catastrophes. And at the beginning, I was really looking for maybe interesting compositions, and then I started really looking into, I mean, in the last 10 years, there have been so much more natural catastrophes than before, and we all know why. I mean, the climate crisis has become so huge and so important, and finally, also politicians and everybody's interested in that and since more than 10 years i'm doing this uh destroying uh, about that issues actually because these natural catastrophes do not come by themselves it's not you know, the anger of god I have uh, those things happening but it's us and people are losing their houses and losing everything why do i mostly use images of how this in the us is also clearly a way of talking about you know american landscape you know, in a painterly way, but also in a political way, an economical way, because it's quite clear, especially now, <laughs> more than ever, where this uh, turbo capitalism and uh, the liberal values are bringing uh, the country to.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and and this can make one really angry, I think. Yes. I believe in the power of art, but do you think through? insisting to really show these images and and work on these issues maybe feminism maybe climate change and using the anger that causes for your work that in the long run art really does have a say in change
1: oh this is such a beautiful question is one of these questions (laughs) i guess there must have been a lot of book about it i don't know really because on one side I naively but truly think that art can do make changes, you know, even it. And that's also why I am doing art. I mean, um, that's because I'm coming to the studio every day and I, you know, do things here. But then again, I also think culture can change things in general. I think, you know, books, books have been changing my life, you know, music, everything, everything that belongs to the cultural field really influence the way we are thinking and feeling and talking so yes i think art can change that's what i truly believe too did something change
0: right now what is what is this with corona thing because it, it's also due to our way of living
1: for example i've been like um, other artists as well but i after the first shock let's say yeah mm-hmm. i have i've been working in such a with such a speed for a month. I mean, I've been producing this huge amount of drawings. And again, why drawings? Because I, I was here alone in the studio and it was, you know, after three weeks where I couldn't do anything or just bureaucratical stuff and sitting there in front of the computer thinking, oh, fuck, what, what are we going to do now? I, I just started making these drawings and I truly, I'd done, um, you know, alone on a weekend in my studio listening to really amazing, loud, Music, having so much fun, like um, I've had it since really such a long, long time, and really starting doing things without knowing where it would go. You know, I don't remember the time to do that, and it uh, totally went into yeah, creating this huge wall of uh, of new, very colorful for my oeuvre. that are, re- are related to protest signs and uh, full of quotations and, and yeah, and feminism and kind of, I don't know, they're much more light than anything else I did before, though I've done them in very dark times. So I'm, I'm not now suggesting that you need to, to <laughs> suffer in order to create uh, beautiful things. But I think the the fact to be without pressure from from galleries or from, you know, other thing that are part of being an artist. I help me a lot to, to just be with myself and just find again, what's really important to me and what is it that I want to say, you know? And, and what is right now the most important thing to you? The most important thing to me is, again, you know, what I was saying before, what kind of space am I creating here when I do, you know, with my work and I, in the last years doing these big installations, I, and also before, I mean, I'm always like putting myself on the edge of what is possible in terms, you know, physically, yeah. <laughs> and everything. And I really force the institutions to do the same, which is something that is getting more and more difficult, I think, because lots of museums and institutions are getting more and more bureaucratical and uh, there is less freedom, I have the impression than 20 years ago in working in, in, in the institution
0: don't you think this changes right now again because we, we all have to find new ways to work together
1: yeah i hope and i can also see that uh, some institutions are really using the the museum really as a as a place for for meeting up and not to just only you know show art but uh, as a place of of care, but I still think that there is a huge discrepancy between what the museum has or want to do toward the audience and what kind of duty also the museum has or feels to have toward the audience in terms of, you know, how many visitors, what are the numbers, uh, how are, the, are the people in the board happy, do we get more money, all that kind of stuff. And on the other side, the the way that they are working with artists, I think. That's something that needs to be work on, I guess, a lot. Again, maybe it will change now, I don't know, it's a little bit too early to say. Um, but in my experience, I think it's uh, so much more easy for, for all the institution just to get some some you know sculptures and drawing some paintings, some, I don't know, hang them, put them somewhere and that's it. And since I <laughs> do not really do that, if I can, I do really like, again, this large installation and that is really like, it's a different way of dealing with what, what, you know, what is the role of curator? What can they do? What is the role of director of the museum? Can they change something for the three months where this artist is having the show? Uh, how how do you get the the guards involved? Uh, who are the cleaning people? What, what are their schedules? What can we do with them? You know, mm-hmm. all things that are really important to me because I'm, I like to to think about the space that I'm gonna show as a, as, a, as a kind of complete space I don't know that's made of many different people and not only me and the curator and no you cannot do this and you cannot do that.
0: Do you think artists should be more involved uh, in all of these
1: things in the institutions than they are now? I think they want, you know not everybody wants uh, but I, I think yes I mean I remember Dita Roth. You know, he did this huge show in uh, in France, uh, in Marseille, I think it was, where he wanted all the people installing to have the same the same fee, or you know, that he had, for example. And I think, yes, yeah, so why? You know, if um, I'm working now on a, on a solo show where I want I want the cleaning lady or the, the cleaning personnel, uh, which I just find out are, are ladies. Um, to do something else instead of what they are normally doing, because for me it activates—I don't know—it activates the, the space. It makes it more livable, and it makes uh, everybody, not only their audience, uh, changing maybe the way they are looking at a job. What do they see around them when they are cleaning every day? You know what what kind of understanding do they have about art. And at the end of the day, you know, when you have a solo show museum, you're spending a a lot of time with with a lot of people that you are never going to see again. You know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: today days so, uh, while installing, you are with these people, and these people are very much important. You know, but that sounds like your anger is replaced by
0: empathy and love.
1: Actually, <laughs> <laughs> I think I don't know. I heard uh, from friends that uh, I'm apparently I'm not very empathetic. Uh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> no, but for me, again, it's a way also to, I, for me, it's kind of important to question what the institution is, again, again, the question about the space, you know, what, why should they do a show in this museum and not in that other museum and uh, how can, and maybe, yes, we all together change things, right, because alone you can't do much. Mm-hmm. And maybe questioning hierarchies too. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. If I manage to get this uh, cleaning personnel doing uh, working on my work it's uh, it's nothing new you know it has been done in the seventies and so on but but it has not done there in that museum or in that city with that people in that way mm-hmm. and that's uh, you know, that's important mm-hmm. I think you know every institution and and nothing without uh not nothing but i mean uh, you can't ask an artist to come and, uh, it's not an airplane in a museum, right? Where you, you enter and you have to sit and stay seated for the next uh, hours of the flight, you know? Yeah. Yeah, with the security belt on, you, you do things together. And I, I really think everybody has more to win out of the situation. It's a a willingness to cooperate and also to try new things, you know, to try things the 70s, where I was too small, I don't know, but uh, maybe in the 70s, from what you read and what you see, what we know, where maybe institutions were more experimental, different experimental, when it came to to the dialogue between the artists and the, I mean, the time there was no curator, but, you know, the the director maybe.
0: No, on one hand, I think it's probably much more conservative. But uh, on the other hand, I think the 70s society itself as a whole was more conservative. We're living in times of backlash and and we see it everywhere right now. And I think it causes a lot of helplessness and out of this helplessness rises a lot of anger. On both sides, actually, you you, you see we have in Germany the so-called Wutbürger, angry people that fight against everything. And then we have artists like you or other people that channel or Greta Thunberg that channel their anger into something constructive my last question is if you understand that anger and art create also kind of political space
1: no, absolutely I I really believe also in the amazing power of female anger you mm-hmm. <laughs> believe in it I think it uh, it's a place of change of renewal of experimental expression it is definitely political and it's uh, it can change things so i say power to
0: female anger and thank you so much monica for taking the time to talk to me thank you daniela it's been really nice for more voices on art go to van horn.net and follow us on instagram at voices on art and at van horn düsseldorf thank you for listening to voices on art the Fan Horn Gallery podcast hosted by Daniela Steinfeld. Stay tuned and connect.